0: thoughts of all of our hearts be always (coughs) acceptable in your sight, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. It uh, sometimes seems to me that we never stop hearing um, about surveys of young girls' attitudes to their weight, except when we're being warned about the dangers of obesity, um, which strikes me as being the opposite bits of the same scale. But on one survey they found that uh, well over half of the girls that they talked to aged between 11 and 20 thought that they ought to lose weight, but only 15% actually needed to do so. Image is so much more important than reality when these girls think about their body. So (coughs) what's the church's attitude to the body? That's what we're going to think about. Well, one of the words for body um, in the New Testament is the Greek word soma. Um, You will find the word soma in psychosomatic disease where the mind influences the body. The soma bit is the body. Um, It's used with two main meanings in the New Testament. First is the human body. This is my soma. Um, But the second is Paul's picture of the church as a body. And the fact that Paul uses this metaphor just shows that he saw strong parallels between the experiences of the human body and the experiences of the church. The very complexity of our human bodies just means that the the Christian church is also a complex uh, organism. And so much of what we experience Um, in our human bodies, has a corresponding experience for the church, either locally or worldwide. Paul, sometimes when he uses the word soma for the church, sometimes he means the local church, and sometimes he means the whole church, all Christians universal. Now, there are lots and lots of medical folk here, um, and I'm going to maybe tread on a bit of ground, but referred pain is something uh, that I want to look at this evening when you feel pain in one part of your body because there is something wrong somewhere else. Now, I don't know about you, but the time when I most often feel referred pain is when I'm eating ice cream. (laughs) Because if there is a trigesic nerve, they tell me, which goes through the top of the mouth and also affects the forehead. And so if the top of your mouth gets too cold, you experience a very sharp stabbing pain in your forehead. I'm unfortunately very well used to that pain. Uh, But if you talk to Kevin, I'm sure that he would be able to give us much better um, examples of how pain in one part of the body can be caused by something wrong in another part. Just as we can experience referred pain in our bodies, physical bodies, so one part of the church can experience pain because of pain in another part, something wrong in another part of the body. So we're going to look at the church in Corinth, he said. We don't usually read chapter 11 and verses 17 to 22 in a communion service. They're the ones that say, now in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you to some extent i believe it indeed there have to be factions among you for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine when you come together it's not really to eat the lord's supper for when the time comes to eat each of you goes ahead with your own supper and one goes hungry and another becomes drunk what do you not have homes to eat and drink in or do you show contempt for the church of god and humiliate those who have nothing what should i say to you should i commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. Not the usual communion service bit, but it's clear that the church in Corinth just was not in good shape. Um, it's, It's this imperfect, this fractured church that Paul says is a body, a unity of many different parts. Now, because of the culture and the political situation in the 1st century Roman world, the church in Corinth was a very different beast from the church structures that we're used to. For a start, Sunday was not the day off. However imperfect Sunday may be as a day off, Sunday was a normal full-scale working day in Corinth. So the workers arrived at the church meeting after um, a full day's labour. Nor did they all meet in the same building as we do. The church was much more a collection of house meetings which met in the homes of the um, wealthy Christians. There were two groups, wealthy and not so wealthy. Um, now the Jerusalem church could meet in the temple, but in Corinth they couldn't, so they met in homes. Uh, I mentioned wealthy citizens. In Corinth culture, wealthy citizens were patrons of a group of poorer people. And uh, these poorer people supported the wealthy people in their political ambitions <laughs> in return for getting political favours from the wealthy. So it was a sort of prop and cop situation. And that, what we would accept as being a really an imperfect situation, had percolated through into the church. In the church in Corinth, there were wealthy Christians who were the patrons of the poor Christians and they looked down on them it was not a good situation Um, every wealthy family as I say they gathered a group of ordinary Christians Paul talked about there being factions (coughs) among you and the wealthy families were all fighting for control of the church each family wanted to control the church nothing new there then Uh, and (coughs) They gathered people by bribery to support them in their ambitions for control of the church. How imperfect was that? But when they met for the Lord's Supper, they actually gathered for a meal beforehand. Uh, Is it next Tuesday? You're going to be, sorry, Mary and I will be away, but you're going to have the Lent meal start off where you'll have a meal. A proper meal where you will have your hunger assuaged um, plentifully, I expect. And then you'll have a time of worship and communion together. That was the pattern every Sunday in the Corinthian church. But in different houses dotted around the city. But you see, the rich didn't have to go to work. So instead of knocking off at 6.30 and heading straight off to church to go to the service they were able to have a nice meal, leisurely meal starting off earlier, fine wines. And years ago, we were in a church elsewhere in Britain, um, (coughs) and they started to have an um, after-church meeting. And it was just a, a chat meeting. But one week, somebody brought along some biscuits. The next time they met somebody brought along some chocolate biscuits. By the time we got there, it was a full-scale massive spread with all of the different hostesses trying to prove that they were good at being (coughs) a hostess. And that is what was happening, I believe, in the Corinthians. All of these wealthy families were trying to impress everybody else with how good a spread they could put on the table. And how fine the wine that they could um, offer. But the folk who came at half past six, they had the leftovers at best and maybe they had to bring their own food. So they had two groups. One very well fed and probably sozzled and another hungry. And that says Paul is where they were starting. At that point, they said, Okay, let's gather around the table of the Lord Jesus. Can you see why he couldn't commend them? It was a horrible situation. There was pain in part of the body that just wasn't recognised in another part of the body. So, you don't need me to explain that the elements of the communion weren't something special. They were the ordinary food and drink of the Passover. Unleavened bread, yes. Um, wine. Just what we used day by day. In chapter 10, Paul explains a little bit about them. I don't know whether anybody did go home and read chapter 10. Um, I once heard about a minister who did what I did this morning and said, um, I want you to read, for next of this service, I want you to read Mark chapter 17. And the next Sunday he said, uh, who were those who actually read Mark chapter 17? And there were a few people who put their hands on me said, that's interesting because there are only 16 chapters in Mark." <laughs> but I'm not going to ask who read chapter 10. Uh, but Paul explains a little bit about these different elements of the communion and how we share in the blood and the body of Christ as we take communion. But he goes on and he says because these are symbols of the measure of self-giving, the grace, grace came this morning, didn't it as well, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf, they're symbols. And when we partake of them, we should be acting in Christ-like ways. We should be consistent in our living with the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Corinthians weren't acting right. And so Paul warns them it's so serious that they're being punished by God for their poor attitude to others in the church. They weren't, he says, discerning the body. Discerning is a a weird word, maybe, but um, what it means is that they hadn't understood what it meant to be a part of the church body. They just hadn't got it. It wasn't a group um, where all were equal, It was a microcosm of Corinthian society with all its divisions, its discrimination and its inequality faithfully replicated. And to me, that is a challenge to the Church of the Lord Jesus, to the body of Christ in 2009. The challenge is whether we are falling into the same trap and replicating some aspects of society at large, replicating those in the church. And a little aside here, some people will ask a question like that, and the implication of them asking the question is, ah yes, the church does. No, not me. I ask that question of myself much more strongly than I would ask it of anybody else. Um, I'm not pointing a finger anywhere, I'm just asking a question. But we read, or we were read, we listened to, one body, many parts. We may be having a, a bit of an adjustment in society nowadays um, with all of the financial problems, but I think it's still true that modern society values personal independence much more highly than it values shared values, mutual commitment to each other in community. There was an episode of The Simpsons in which Bart, you remember Barth, permanently rude and insolent little schoolboy, a vulgar object he gets a, mos- a contagious mosquito bite and so he's put in a sterile isolation bubble so that he doesn't infect anybody else and they feed him some soup and he slurps it down in a really disgusting manner and his mother says oh, you shouldn't be drinking your soup like that and looks out of the bubble at her and says my bubble My rules. (laughs) And that is how so many people want to live these days. They want my bubble, my rules. They want to live with total disregard for anyone and everyone else. This desire to do better, be better, acquire more um, is, according to some observers, at the heart of society. Um, You may have read some books by Lintrus, She wrote about grammar in her first book, then she wrote a second book. Oh, crumbs. Sorry about this. And it was called Talk to the Hand Because the Face Ain't Listening. And she says that one of the constant themes of TV over many years has been competitive material self interest. And as these attitudes filter into all areas of life, it can seep, attenuated, much less, but it can seep into the church, even though consumerist values are so directly opposite to Christian values. I suppose we can take a little comfort from the fact that it's not new, because that is just what Paul is talking about in the passage that Jonathan read to us earlier. It showed itself in two ways. People who were made to feel inferior, thus that they didn't belong, and people who felt superior, and thus made others feel unwelcome. There are two ways in which this can show itself. The, uh, the two phrases, examples, you don't want me, and we don't need you. If people come <coughs> who are different from the majority, of the folk in the church, they can feel they're outsiders, that the church doesn't need them. Uh, My accent, 30 years ago, was an awful lot stronger um, northern accent than it is now. And we used to live in very county Berkshire. And I always felt that the folk in the church, the county folk in the church, looked down on me because of my accent. I felt, you don't want me. But uh, over in BMS World Mission, there's a chap, David Hart, who says that Christians may not openly or even knowingly put others down, but he says that he has seen how people's attitudes, actions, (coughs) sometimes betray the value that they place on other people within the church. They give the impression, we don't need you. The two phrases. So what about the body? It's all about, or should be, interdependence. Years ago they used to say that the attitudes of Christians in America and Britain towards world mission were complementary, Because the Americans were quite happy to pay money to send people abroad, but they wouldn't go. Whereas we Brits were very happy to go abroad but we didn't have the money to afford it. And if you put the two together, you should have had a good synergy, but you didn't. What happened was that relatively few American missionaries lived in great luxury in compounds isolated from the people they were supposed to be serving, and the Brits lived in the same conditions as the local residents. Both attitudes are give but not go, and I'll pray but not pay. They're both foreign to Paul's description of the body of Christ, the church. But even that isn't the worst attitude. We can think of churches in other countries as somehow inferior to ourselves. And as I think of that, I think of the church in the vineyard in Kosovo. It's got very few members, but boy, what a church. There is nothing inferior about that church. And yet, if you looked at the pictures of it when we went... Completely unfinished inside. It's a building site in progress. You could think, look down on it. But how, here in Burlington, here's the challenge. How in Burlington will this possible attitude of thinking of people in other, or churches in other countries as not so good, how will that translate if we go forward with this partnership with a church through Samaritan's Purse? So the church in every land depends on churches in other countries. The church in Britain is depending more and more on people from other countries. For a number of years, other countries have been sending missionaries to Britain, including Brazil. And Jorge, oh sorry, it's a bit weak, but Jorge and Hermelinda Damasino, they were released by the Brazilian Baptist Foreign Missions Board to work in Britain communicating the gospel to the Portuguese immigrant workers in the east of England. That's mutuality. That's interdependence in action. Our need is being provided for, in part, by Brazilian Christians. But the acid test given in uh, 1 (coughs) Corinthians 12, according to this BMS chap, David Hart, Comes in verse 26. Do we suffer when someone else suffers? Do we suffer when someone in our church suffers? Do we rejoice when someone else is honoured? I was uh, at lunch with some friends on Wednesday and uh, one chap said, how is the Christian church going to deal with the problems that we've got on hand at the moment? And he said, if I had a second home, which I haven't, but he said, if I had a second home, how should I, as a Christian, react if someone in my church is made homeless because of repossession? And we all sat there without second homes and thought, yeah, that's a good question until Peter piped up and Peter said, yeah it's not just if I've got a second home he said, we live in a large four bedroom (coughs) house and there are just two of us what should my reaction be living in that house to someone who is made homeless do we feel the pain of people around us? Do we feel the pain when we see or hear of Christians in other lands being persecuted? Are we willing to help? <clears throat> I've got a, a strip cartoon at home, chap saying, I see, read the newspaper and I see disaster and dreadful things all over the world. What can I do as one person? I can stop looking. And some people do just that. They stop looking and they ignore the problems. Afghanistan is often in the news because of the violence against Christians. of that young um, Christian lass who was killed last year. Um, a few years ago a chap called Abdul Rahman was condemned to die because he had converted from um, the Muslim faith to um, become a Christian. In the period 2003-04, an 18-month period in that those two years, at least 33 foreign aid workers were murdered by the Taliban. There's a chap, uh, Malawai Asadullah, um, he preached the gospel in 2006 and for preaching the gospel the Taliban slit his throat. The Taliban then said, anybody else we catch doing the same thing, we'll do the same thing. Do we feel the pain of the church in Afghanistan? So, take a little look at uh, this picture. Picture from the Baptist Assembly in 2006. And just have a look, we'll amplify it. This little family. Wouldn't you love to have three children like that as your grandchildren? said farewell to them in 2006 for them to go to Afghanistan, to learn the language, mm-hmm. and then, get, then to go to one of the most remote parts of Afghanistan <coughs> to serve, as a doctor, to serve the people of Afghanistan. I think of the pain of grandmas and granddads. It must hurt. Do we feel that pain. Another one, this one, still in Afghanistan. This time it's this lady here. Looks ever so young, doesn't she? Sorry, she's got her eyes closed, but they were praying for her at that moment. Um, Tiny. No bigger than my Mary. A nurse again. She had to get back in time because the place where she serves in Afghanistan is snowbound for six months of the year and she can't get out. Um, Do we feel that sort of pain? Are we with them? If you know about Tools with a Mission you remember Tim Elliott, used to be the the warehouse manager I think. He and his wife Helen went to Uganda and listening to Helen she so desperately missed her grandchildren But she went to Uganda, hurting, 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 because God had called her. Do we share the hurt? Why bring all this up in a communion service? Well, because Holy Communion is the place where we are the body of Christ. All of us know about pain in the church. (coughs) may be pain in this church it may be pain in churches elsewhere in Ipswich, it may be churches elsewhere in the UK, it may be churches elsewhere overseas we know of hurts in the national expression of being Christ's body so we're going to pray for them now